I read a statistic the other day, and it said this, that the most attendance that a church gets is always at Christmas time. Is that true for us? It is. We have more people come to church at our Christmas time than we do at any other time of the year. The other statistic that went with it was this, that the least amount of Christian conversions is at Christmas time, which is interesting. And I started thinking about it and going like, that. I always love these types of facts. I thought it was an interesting thing that more people attend church at Christmas time than any other time of the year. But the least amount of people give themselves to Christ at Christmas time. Does that seem strange to anybody else? Does it not seem like we would have more interest in Christ himself? Or is it that we're more interested in Christmas itself? Because Christmas has a lot of fun to it. It has a lot of, you know, googly feelings. You know, you get to drink your mulled wine and you get to, you don't do that in this country, do you? You, you get to, what do you guys do here? Eat your candy canes, right? You, you get to have your eggnog. I'm, I'm, I'm trapped between two cultures here. I'm thinking what I do back in Scotland. We eat mince pies, drink mulled wine, drink lots of whiskey and do all that other stuff, right? That's, uh, you want to come to my country now, don't you? That's right. Hey, come to my house for Christmas. Um, and, uh, but it's, where am I? Uh, it's, it's fascinating. And I think that people celebrate more Christmas than they do actually celebrating Christ. Is that right? I think that, the, that this has been a, a, a huge problem for our world to some degree. And I thought about it and I thought, possibly people only come at Christmas time and they don't come the, the, the rest of the year uh, simply because they have different needs. You know, if you ask the average person, why do you only come at Christmas time? They'll go, well, I think it's, you know, I love the feeling of togetherness and, and Jesus, uh, God sending Jesus to us as a savior. And I just don't need God any other way. I don't need him the rest of the year. But the more I thought about it, I thought this is less about needs and more about, listen now, expectations. It's less about what people need in life because we all have, believe it or not, the exact same needs. We need a savior, right? And not just a Christmas savior, but we need a 24-7 savior. We need a savior to come into every part of our lives, to invade every area of our lives. We need a savior in our families. We need a savior in our relationships. We need a savior in our marriages, in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions, in our bank accounts, in our cultures. We need a savior for the whole thing, right? And yet, sometimes, most people only tap Christ at Christmas time. I believe it's about our expectation. And expectation is so important because of this. Listen now, proof is the pursuit of desire. Sorry, pursuit is the proof of desire. Don't listen to the first one I just said. Pursuit is the proof of desire, that you can't say that you really desire something if there's no pursuit of it. But pursuit usually is on the heels of whatever it is that you're expecting in your heart. Are you expecting good things this year? Are you expecting good things this Christmas time? Are you expecting good things all the way to the end of the year? Or are you telling yourself, I just can't wait for this year to be over so we can start all over again? 
Is it that our, we've had so much disappointment or difficult times that our expectations start to low, lower down and we can't quite get into that spirit or that mood of having the big vision, that, which was our word for this year, where our expectations and our desires are not that high anymore. Listen, if Jesus is going to be something significant and meaningful in our life, surely it is that something is good God has something good for you. He has great plans for you. He has great dreams to put in your heart and our expectations should match what it is that he wants to give to us. Can you imagine at Christmas time if your kids came down in the morning and they got out of bed and they're like, so what's it this morning? Gifts? No, that's good. Can, can, I, can, can, can I wake up at 12 at noon because I'm really tired and I want to go back to bed? No, when they get up in the morning and they come running down at three o'clock in the morning, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? Can I open up my gifts now? Is that right? Or am I just talking about Rory here? Is it now? Is it, is it now? Can I get my gifts now? Right? The expectation is really high. Am I right? Is there something that happens to us that the older we get, we start to lose our expectation? Something's wrong with this when it comes to talking about Jesus. Our expectations should be high when it talks about Jesus. And as I was looking at this, I started to, to look into the, the story of the, the nativity, the story of the people who sought after Jesus. And there were three different groups of people who were searching for Jesus um, uh, uh, when he was a, an infant, when he was a child. And uh, what a significant difference there was in their expectation level of looking for Jesus. So there are three people that I want to look at right now. The first, one, the first ones are the shepherds. And we're going to read in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Now, if you see a big, freaky, glowing man floating in the sky who is now uh, 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 singing to you uh, Hosanna or whatever it was that they sang and then tells you, hey guys, don't be afraid, feel free to be afraid, right? Because I would be freaked out as well. It seems weird that he is telling them, don't be afraid, but there's a reason for this, right? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. In every story that we're going to read this morning, they always say, this will be the sign. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, uh, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And, and, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
This morning, I'm going to look at three specific things when we're looking at this. I'm going to look at the type of person who was pursuing Jesus, and then I want to look at what their expectation was in pursuing Jesus, and then I want to look at the things that moved them personally to seek Christ out, right? So we're looking at the shepherds right now. What was their expectation? Their expectation was very low. Now, what type of person were they? They were hard workers. They were very hard workers. They're the type of people who are the grinders. They're the grafters, as we say in, in Scotland. They were, they were ones who would get, out, get down and dirty, and they're doing the hard, sweaty work. And we had this vision of, of shepherds out in the mountainsides freezing cold because it's wintertime. It wasn't freezing cold. They were out, and it was probably around about September time when Jesus was actually born. And, and they were out in the mountains looking after their flocks because uh, uh, robbers could come and take them. Wolves could come and take them. Animals could come and take their 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 sheep away. So they had to do the night shift. They're doing the, 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 the graveyard shift is what they call it when it's the difficult time that people don't want to be up at that time. They want to be uh, snug in bed at home. But these are the hardworking people. I was at a conference, a business conference this week, and, and it was amazing how, how many of the speakers kept on saying, do you want to be rich enough to be able to have a Mercedes and never have to work again and never have to do that hard work that you're doing right now? And I thought, no, I don't want to sit beside a pool for the rest of my life. I want to do hard work. I want to do something because God said that stuff was good, right? These are good people, but their expectations were low. How do we know that? Because they weren't looking for the Messiah. They weren't looking around wondering where God was. So what is it that actually moved them? Well, look at this. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What moved them? What moved them was an interrupting revelation. Let me explain that. An interrupting revelation is an event that gets your attention. Not an event that gets your attention like, well, that's good news. Isn't this awesome? I just love it that God has got my attention by sending me a million dollars. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth. You paid all my bills and everything's perfect for me. No, they were terrified. It's usually an event that gets you scared. It's usually an event that gets you worried, that keeps you up at night, that puts you into fear. This is the type of interrupting revelation. We look at it and think, well, maybe it's the devil. Maybe things are falling apart because I've done something wrong. When the fact is, it's because they weren't looking for anything. They were busy being about their business. They were busy being full of responsibility. They were busy trying to build their sheep pens and keep everything inside and make sure that nothing came into their lives to steal away from them. Am I describing anyone here this morning that sometimes what we do is we give so much time that we are only going to respond to God uh, 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 to uh, an interrupting revelation. We're giving so much time to our responsibilities. We, I don't have the time to spend with God. I don't have the time to do any type of ministry. I love that there's people over there that seem to have good jobs and big families and they're doing great, but I don't have the time to do what they do, which is they also do ministry. They also do charity. They're also ministering to God, they're working in the church, they're doing mission trips, they're doing, that's wonderful that they've got all that stuff. I don't have the time for that. Oftentimes we believe we don't have the time for God. 
I only have the time for God when I come at Christmas time. The rest of the year, I don't have the time. What we're doing is we're setting ourselves up where the only way that God can speak to us is if he interrupts us with an event that changes your life. Hello. The only way we can hear God is that we need an event that interrupts us and changes our lives. I think maybe most of us are like that. I think most of us at some point in our faith have been at that stage in our life where we're running after sheep. We're really running after problems. We're running, to try and, running around to try and contain our lives within a perfect little circle of comfort and God has to come in and upset it. He has to turn it upside down. I wonder what happened to the sheep after they got scared away. When this big angel floats in the sky and goes, hey guys, I got some news for you. You can imagine the sheep just went, eh, and fell over, right? Imagine what happened. Maybe some of them ran away. Do you think the shepherds went, eh, hold that thought, hold that thought, angel. Gabriel, is it Gabriel? Yeah, Gabriel, hold that thought right now, Gabe. All right, let me get my sheep together and put it on. No, that's not what happens. We freak out, we panic. We're trying to get into control of our lives once again. But the angel had to say this, stop worrying. Do not fear, because I've got good news for you. Many of you here this morning need to hear this. Stop worrying. Stop panicking. Stop responding in fear to whatever is going wrong in your life. If God is trying to get your attention, stop worrying. Why? Because I've got awesome news for you. I've got some good news. You thought you had it good. You thought you had troubles. Mm -mm -mm. You should see what's about to happen. Let me encourage you. You need to expect something good from God in 2018. You should have been expecting it, something good for, from God in 2017. And if you've been panicking and being distracted by other things, get rid of that fear, get rid of that panic, and get your eyes on God and believe that he has something good for your life. Can I hear an amen, David Condon? Thank you. Here's the second group of people that I noticed. The second group of people that I noticed that were pursuing God was the Magi. The Magi. Some of you will call them the wise men or the wise guys. Some of you will even call them wise kings. They weren't actually kings. They were just wise men. Who were they? They were the educated. They were, they were uh, in, in, in fact, some, some people think of them as sorcerers. They were, they were people who were able to do like magical type of things. But really, probably what it was was they had such a command of science and, and the command of, of chemicals that they were able to understand at least astronomy. They were able to understand the elements of the earth. They were star readers and they came from Asia or at least in the, uh, the east is what they say. Today, we would probably just call them scientists or engineers. They were, le they were uh, learned thinkers. In Matthew 2, verses 8 to 20, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and I have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, the prophet said, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. That was a lie. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I remember being at a kid's play, nativity play, and I loved the three kings, and there was one of them that came and said, uh, here's your frankincense, the next one said, oh, sorry, here, here's your myrrh, and the other one said, here's your gold, and the other one said, Frank sent this, which I thought was a perfect way to describe frankincense. Frank said this, my buddy Frank. All right. <laughs> what was their expectation? What do you think? Low or high? Low or high? Low? Low? High? Pretty high, wasn't it? Boy, were they invested. I can't wait to get to heaven and meet those guys and go, so how did you come up with this stuff? How, what, what did you do? How much time did you spend in this? What was your expectations? How much money and effort and time did you put into pursuing the Christ? Look at that. How much did you put into this? Listen, all the people that I want to become like are the people who actually put time and effort and money and energy and emotion into pursuing God. They don't wait for God to come to them. They go looking for him. They don't wait for Christmas time to feel good about pursuing God. They go find him. When times are in trouble and when they're in difficulty, they don't wait until God gives them a word. They go looking for the word. They go into the word. Because God's words are the things that protect us. How do I know that? Because that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He said, don't touch that tree, you'll be fine. We don't need walls around our lives. We don't need sheep pens. We don't need these things in order to try and keep us protected and safe. We've got God's word in our life. But these guys, they read the signs that were out there. In Matthew 2, verse 9, it says, They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They were reading the signs. It doesn't say that they heard from God. It just says that they probably had read about a prophecy from long ago. And scientists today believe that probably three stars lined up at that exact time. Uh, uh, they, they have proof of it at least. They have these three stars that probably uh, uh, lined up at the, that exact time and made it so bright that that was the fulfillment of that prophecy that a star would be seen to show where the Christ was. And so they followed this child. They followed wherever this star was. And it lasted for two years. Now, I have to say, when I look at this, and, it's, and, and the, my question is, what moved them? I believe what moved them was conclusive evidence. Now, I've got to say that this is something I probably draw to the most myself. That I feel like before I believe something, I have to get conclusive evidence for it. Is anyone else with me on that one? Anyone more? You, that, that's the way your mind works. You need to believe it. You need to really understand it before you actually believe it. This is not because you don't necessarily want to believe, but there's a demand inside to us, inside of us, that we have to understand it before we will believe it. Am I right? 
I don't just, uh, I don't just run to anything. My point is we only respond in some degree well enough when we have enough evidence in our lives. And what we do is we pride ourselves in that we don't get moved by these two things, emotions or events. I'm, I'm a proud fellow, you know, I'm so smart, I'm so intelligent that, you know, I'm not, I'm not moved by emotions, you know, I don't, if, if terrible things happen, I don't get upset. I don't get upset. If an event happens, I take my time and I'll step back and I'll think it through and I'll ponder and I'll wonder what should my response be. I'm not an emotional fellow. I'm an intellectual fellow. And the thing is that I pride myself to some degree in being that way when the fact is maybe God wants you to move quickly. Maybe he doesn't want you to ponder this. He wants you to remove, uh, respond fast. He wants you to move fast. He wants you to trust him, not understand him. There's an old Jewish phrase that says this, that if I knew God, I'd be God. And oftentimes I believe that I've got this problem where I have to understand what God is doing before I actually respond to his leading in my life. Is anyone like that? Here's the problem with people who demand that they have to understand first is that they're often late to the party. You see, the Magi turned up two years later not on the day when Jesus was born. They didn't get an interrupting sign of angels saying, oh, a Messiah is here, go find him now. They could have done that. No, they had to wait until he was about two years old before they actually found him. Well, that's because he was a long way off. Well, they could have called Uber, they could have gotten there more quickly, but the fact is we are often the type of people who have to demand evidence in our life before we allow God to move in our lives. Hello. I think it's good that we give true and deep thought to the things that God has called us to. But there's times I believe this year in 2018 that many of you are gonna have to learn how to respond quickly to what God is doing in your life. That your, that your intellect is now becoming your stumbling block. Yes, it's great that you're not moved by emotion like the, like the, like the, the, like the shepherds were, that's wonderful. But there's gonna be times when God needs you to move quickly because if you don't move quickly, you'll, move, you'll, you'll miss the season of what he's trying to put you into. Hello? Let me encourage you. Shorten your path to faith this year. Expect more from God. Here's the third group of people that I see in the story. The third group of people is an old man and an old woman. In Luke chapter two, verses 25 to 38, it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation, I hate the word consolation because we use a consolation prize as in, you got the consolation prize, that means you didn't win. Oh, there's your consolation prize. No, consolation means comfort and strength. He was waiting for the strength of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the, what does it say? Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the, what? Spirit. Three times it says this. He went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 
The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child, oh my goodness, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, 37, and then was a widow, and 37 is verse 37, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, Paganini, page nine. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. You know what I find fascinating about this couple? They were such a righteous couple. They were so devout. They were so committed. They were fasting and praying. They were spending probably the most time with God out of all the people that we have actually just read about, right? But not one Christmas card have I ever seen that demonstrates those two faithful people. I've never even heard a Christmas card that sings about the two old people that were looking for the Messiah. Now, we talk about the kings and we talk about the shepherds. And I wonder if it's because we identify with the shepherds more and we identify with the kings more, but we don't identify with this old couple as much. There's something in us that doesn't seem to spring the same joy when you're reading it. That's why we don't have Christmas cards and carols about this. So what do you think their expectation was? Was it low? Was it high? Let me tell you what it was. They were pregnant. They had a vision that was pregnant in their spirits about God was going to do. And they couldn't, they couldn't ignore it. It changed the way they thought. It changed the way they acted. It changed the way that they interacted. What moved them? I'll tell you what moved them. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Talk about a dream and a vision. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. He didn't need an interrupting revelation. He didn't need evidence to find where Jesus was. He was moved by the Holy Spirit within him. Something was inside of him that was an unction to say that something good is happening now. And I need to respond. I need to move. I need to be a part of this. And he moved as the Spirit led him. Many of us, I believe, have trouble with this because we're not good at listening. We're not good at taking the time and spending it with God. We're more busy about our business, about our responsibilities, about our problems, about our bills, about the problems of what am I called for? What am I meant to do in life? When the fact is, you don't need an answer to that. Spending time with God will give you everything you need to know about who you are in Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. Let me tell you. They were looking for Jesus because they were pregnant with Jesus. There was already inside of their spirit. And one thing that I find about pregnant people is that they walk differently. They act differently. They talk differently. They walk around like this, right? Am I, what, am I right? They look different. They look weird. They look like they're, they're filled with some alien inside and they're like, give me, give me hot pickles. Give me anything. Give me things that I don't need to eat right now, right? And you can, everyone can tell, I think they're pregnant with something right now, right? They eat differently. It says they were fasting and praying. Their eating patterns are different. Their walking patterns are different. Their conversation is different. They said that they worship God day and night. Do you not think the way that they spoke was different? 
They said, thank you, Lord, that you're going to send us a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the answer in my life. And maybe your workmates are looking in your life and going, you're weird. You're talking different. You're right. You are weird. You are talking different because you're pregnant with the Holy Spirit. You're pregnant with a vision that God has put inside of you. What is it that God has given you for 2018? I hope you're pregnant. I hope you're not uh, uh, confused with being uh, uh, with all the, the stuff that you've got to try and contain in your life and you need God to interrupt you with something terrible in your life to wake you up. I hope you're already listening to the Spirit and how He's moving in your life. Hello. I was up to four o'clock this morning because I was up visiting someone in hospital who was in a car accident. And his car was smashed into another car and it rolled over multiple times and the car's an absolute mess. And he walked away without a scratch. And I said, how is this going to affect you? And he goes, it's changed everything. It's changed everything for me. He had an interrupting revelation about what's important to him and what's no longer important. I said, buddy, you you worried about your bills right now? And he goes, I don't care. What does concern you? And he goes, I'm just grateful for my life because my father need me. My, My children need me as a father. My wife needs me as a husband. And I need to live life to the full. He had an interrupting revelation Let me tell you, you don't need interrupting revelations. You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you everything you need to know about what is good and when you should move and when you should stay and when you should just worship and when you should just shut up and when you should stand up and speak up. The Holy Spirit will give you the instructions that you need for your life. If you've got questions about your calling in life, go spend some time with a father. Get pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Start walking differently. Start eating differently. Start thinking differently. Start speaking differently. Let the Holy Spirit fill you up. God is not done with you yet. He has got something great that He wants to do for His kingdom. Not for you, for His kingdom. You just get to be a part of it. How awesome is that? I hope you're catching this this morning because this is an important time, I believe, for us as Christians, that we're celebrating what Christ is, that we're remembering the amazing thing that changed this world and turned it upside down when God decided to become one of us. And He decided to now allow Himself to live inside of you.